Welcome to Diet Culture Dropout. Are you ready to drop out of the $72 billion narrative that you've been sold? Diet culture sells us lies, unattainable beauty standards, the narrative that your body's inadequate, and dictates how you should define your health. It is pervasive, oppressive, and damaging to all areas of our health. By dropping out of diet culture, we can together celebrate all bodies, work towards dismantling weight stigma, and stop the transgenerational trauma of body shame and dieting. I'm your host, Athena Brown, a non-diet and body-inclusive registered dietitian, a certified intuitive eating counselor, yoga teacher, and a mom of two strong-willed daughters. My passion is helping people heal their relationship with their body and food so they can live a full life without restrictions, size limits, or food rules. I also desperately want to change the narrative for our kids so they can be the first generation that never diets, has resilience in our body-obsessed world, and a positive relationship with food. This podcast is a safe space for exploration, mindful moments, and take-home practices for anyone looking to find food peace and body liberation. Please remember that this is for educational purposes only and does not replace medical advice from your primary care provider, therapist, or registered dietitian. I am so happy you're here. I want you to know that wherever you are in your food and body peace journey, that there is room at this table for you. You are so worthy, just as you are right now. Hello, welcome back to Diet Culture Dropout. I'm so excited you're here, and today's going to be a solo episode with moi aussi. And I thought today we could talk about postpartum self-care. This is kind of more of a personal share. I've been wanting to record this episode for quite some time, months, (laughs) Um, and I just didn't get to do it. So the stars aligned and today is the day. I guess when I look back at, um, you know, life with three littles and being an entrepreneur, um, it has been definitely challenging and testing for sure. And I think self-care is such a big piece to how I function. And of course, in the work that I do with clients, self-care is really this bedrock to intuitive eating, to having, you know, more of a neutral relationship with food and body is, is a big chunk of it is has to do with self-care. So I think to begin, I just want to normalize that there's no perfect way to do self-care. And I think sometimes when we are talking about self-care or looking at it on social media, there is maybe these expectations or again, air quoting, shoulding you should be doing around, you know, the volume of it or the types or the, or whatever it is. Right. And I think each person is very unique, um, the resources. So just trying not to, to compare. Okay. And I thought maybe I'd first start off with doing kind of a reflection of my three postpartum experiences because they're all very different. And I think self-care for each of them was very vastly different um, for so many reasons. I thought it would be helpful to give kind of a little bit of an understanding of each. Um, 
because this process wasn't easy for me. So I definitely grew up in a home where self-care wasn't normalized. It wasn't demonstrated um, to, to some extent. And again, not shaming my parents. They are doing the best that they knew at that time. It was definitely a challenge for me to get into the groove of being more kinder, taking a break and really viewing rest as being productive. So just kind of hopping back into the the pregnancies. So my first pregnancy was about six years ago and it definitely was the hardest adjustment for me in terms of all of the all of the tiny humans that have came. It <laughs> um, was just such a drastic change in lifestyle, going from like full tilt work mode, having lots of an abundance of self-care time. Um, and then there was this really big identity shift that I struggled a lot with. Um, it was very difficult for me. I don't really like going into situations with uncertainty and having no idea of what I'm doing. And this was definitely one of those situations where, you know, you can read all the books, but it's once you're in the moment and have to be like, oh my goodness, I have to figure out all of these decisions. Um, and everything just seems so pressurized. It has to be the right decision. Um, and you can get really lost in lots of Google rabbit holes for sure. So kind of looking back now and recognizing well into my postpartum um, journey the first time, definitely had postpartum anxiety, uh, which I think fueled a lot of a lot of the challenges I was having around not having enough knowledge, experience of what I, again, air quote, should be doing, handling things. I had no idea how to approach sleep or breastfeeding and everything just is kind of this fight or flight emergency um, feeling I had anyways. And then, of course, you're not sleeping. So that's more fuel to the fire. And then my second pregnancy was two months after the lockdown in May 2020. So that was a very different maternity leave in terms of the world feeling so scary and uncertain and unpredictable. And then the third one was a winter baby in January 2023, which I thought I wasn't going to enjoy kind of the winter baby situation, but it was actually very nice to kind of those first chunks of time just staying home, being cozy and not feeling like you had to be outside all the time, uh, which I feel like I have that pull in the summertime. So getting into a little bit more of what self-care looked like, I just wanted to first acknowledge that I have an enormous amount of privilege. I have been able to be off, have three uncomplicated healthy pregnancies. Um, my first two was able to have maternity support um, through the government benefits. And then also having a really incredible support partner. So um, that obviously impacts everything that I am able to do. So I thought maybe we could start off by just defining self-care. So found a definition. Self-care has been defined as the process of establishing behaviors to ensure holistic well-being of oneself, to promote health and activity, um, and sorry, and actively manage illness when it occurs. Individuals engage in some form of self-care daily with food choices, exercise, sleep, reading, and dental care. So very general. Like I mentioned before, it is truly the bedrock to managing health in all facets. And again, in that intuitive eating model, they kind of start off explaining how Self-care is really this bedrock. And when we're looking at our ability to have these attuned experiences 
be able to feel cues and understand them with our body. We have to have some level of co-regulation in our nervous system. So I kind of explain it as the window of tolerance. So when we are regulated, we're kind of in this groove, in this nice wave within our window of tolerance. And then when things get really stressful, when we are challenged, when we become dysregulated, we kind of bounce out of that window of tolerance. So either going up above it, where we're kind of in that fight or flight mode, where we are dysregulated, and this stress response really trumps any of these cues. So cues being whether it's hunger, fullness, this desire to do self-care, your ability to be able to kind of tune into your body and have these connected experiences are really tricky to do when we're in this fight or flight response. And then below the window of tolerances, we're kind of in that freeze mode or in that kind of deep depression state. So again, when we are dysregulated, it is really hard to do self-care and be able to feel the effects or have these connected experiences. And again, intuitive eating is all about coming back to your body, being able to understand these cues and be able to respond in a kind, compassionate manner. I think too, when people think about self-care, I kind of call it this like luxury or this advanced self-care gestures is generally what people think of where it's like these expensive spa days, going for massages, um, taking time off work, going to an art gallery, maybe it's a show. Um, Usually there's a cost associated to them and kind of a this significant time piece as well to it. So I like to think of self-care as kind of these different levels. So basic being things you're maybe already doing on the daily, like eating, showering, brushing your teeth, sleeping. Then there's kind of moderate activities where there may be more intentional cup filling ones. And then those advanced or luxurious um, self-care gestures that I was just mentioning. So just going to kind of get into what worked best for me. Again, this is my lived experience. So please always, always do what's best for you. Um, the first one for me postpartum is, is eating. Eating is definitely a non-negotiable. I know a lot of people struggle with this one, but I just know how dramatic it impacts me when I when I don't eat and it's, it's not good for anyone so with each pregnancy I definitely did a lot of like meal prepping it was so so essential you know I always say this is definitely the best gift you can give any kind of postpartum mom is is giving them food because this is such a big energy time resource sucking from the day of course and lots of like decision fatigue you have obviously postpartum. We are definitely those people with multiple freezers in our basement. So whether it was making casseroles, soup, having kind of quick frozen foods on hand, whether they're like, you know, chicken burgers, fries, nuggets, battered fish, that kind of stuff, making some lasagnas. I really liked making, I love like curries and pad thai. So making those up and freezing them. I got these really awesome, like freezable, um, tin things from one of our local national grocers is is the store where it's kind of those big boxed um packaging stuff quiches is another one that i loved that was quick and easy and then also thinking about kind of like snack foods whether it's like muffins cookies those like energy bite or little granola bars um just buying granola bars making granola having fruit cups on hand crackers i'm such a cheese and cracker girl pepperettes with them 
and then also having those those foods that you crave those soul foods so for me it's definitely like corn chips and salsa chocolate chocolate everywhere chocolate peanut cup peanut butter cups chocolate covered almonds popcorn chips ice cream you know having them on hand because food is definitely emotional outlet and postpartum is definitely emotional time and those foods are are usually quick and easy as well so definitely the third time around of having baby number three meal planning just with the day-to-day functioning has definitely become much more essential just to keep our our house organized I feel like when I don't do it our house falls apart Um, and it's just so overly stressful those weeks Um, yeah and then just having kind of that acceptance that neutrality of having all kinds of food on hand um that's definitely something i normalize with so many clients is you know convenience frozen packaged foods exist for a reason to help us out you know and there's a lot of really great nutrition in it so just making it easy and again that that affirmation having something is always better than having nothing partum is definitely a time where there is really high energy needs certain vitamins and minerals have been you know sucked up from baby or whether there's been lots of blood loss um usually everyone comes out having anemia to some extent so a lot of a lot of things need to be replenished over time um so that's number one for me uh the next one i'm definitely very uh like a sensory stimulated person so comfort and soothing are definitely things that i just adore so i got some of those like roll-on essential oils like little roll sticks that can be like so nice in a moment to just do that take some breaths um some candles (laughs) this sounds really silly but just getting some awesome lotion that smells nice i um got this new face cream from harlow green sorry to do a plug but it's called flora by willow's bark but it literally was the one thing i would have time to have a shower and then put face cream on my face and it just smelled so nice and it was just like i just feel like a million dollars like it just felt so nice to just put cream on my face um that's self-care um my sister-in-law makes these like nice scented homemade soap so just any of that stuff i just love um and just feels so soothing in the moment um in my first pregnancy i was really into like eucalyptus essential oil um so definitely more in the winter time um dropping some of those in the shower with the vapors oh that is also felt just very spa-like in my in my own shower at home um next one's clothing so again fitting having clothes that fit your here and now body and definitely postpartum is such a tricky time because the body is constantly changing and just really being so compassionate having options because it's all over the place and that's part of the battle is that it's it is so erratic right so having a variety of things that would fit and not just pants and shirts but like bras and undies and camisoles and bathing suits even like jackets um can be really awkward when you don't have one that fits you um but then you're going to be freezing so holding on to some of those like postpartum thing or like maternity sorry 
Clothing was definitely helpful, but also getting things that would be more supportive postpartum as well. Um, another thing I was intentional about was always moving my smaller clothes out of the way in my closet. So that was not there, you know, trying them on and just being like, all right, this doesn't fit uh, months, 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 months in. Right. So just trying not to trigger that bad body image moment with, with having to see those clothes. So I just kind of have one of those Rubbermaid bins that just toss all the things in, which makes it helpful for me leaning in hard to having comfort is essential always always and then function so function meaning i was super lucky to be able to breastfeed and definitely there's things that do not work for that so function was important and then just like little things like it was just felt like such a grand gesture just getting new underwear that like felt so nice and we're soft and cozy I also each time got like a pajama set and some fuzzy socks and it just is so lovely getting hugged by soft garments okay and then the next one I don't really know what to title this one but I would just say maybe like just letting go and I think with each pregnancy, this became easier to just leave the to-do list, not feel like I always have to be doing something in terms of like laundry or cleaning or just allowing myself to relax and sleep and rest. This again was very difficult for me because I've always been in a work hustle kind of mindset and culture growing up, but I found this was yeah hard with my first pregnancy, all of these shoulds and feeling like this productivity needed to be happening. And by the third time around, I think I was getting a little bit easier on myself to just kind of let things go and not have the same expectations of pre-kid house situation versus after. So leaning into being able to allow myself to watch, you know, some episodes, my favorite show, stay in my PJs, not overcommitting, only signing the kids up for one activity in the week rather than multiple. I think that's something I, we had to learn as well too. And just making no plans. That was okay to just do that. The next one is around movement. And again, I feel like this time around it has been slower to kind of get going. I'm feeling that having that understanding of checking in a little bit more, seeing if I feel like moving and if so, what, what seems good rather than kind of having more rigidity to movement. I think a lot of people approach this um, with more of a rigid mindset. Jessie Mundell, she was on our show and she talks about this a lot in her podcast with Anita Lambert and also on her Instagram, just talking about how movement with kids looks completely different. So just kind of shifting and modifying those expectations, being more intentional, going slow, doing things I really, really adore because I have obviously less time to do it. So focusing on things that I want to be doing. And then I'm trying really hard to be very mindful while I'm doing them. So before I used to love running, but this time around, I'm just not feeling it, that desire to do it. So I'm leaning into honoring that and being okay with that. Just maybe not in this season, we're going to do that. I know this summer I found like going kayaking was just something I was really, really enjoying going for walks. Walks have always been something that I really like, especially in the forest or going to, we have a local conservation nearby, Ken Reed, and it's really lovely to walk around. So quiet there. And then doing some gentle yoga. Um, that also has changed a lot for me as well. I, um, recently, well, recently being a couple of years ago, did my uh, restorative yoga training and 
it's just so magical being able to just relax and be held in poses. Um, it's just so magical. And then again, suggesting to set those movement goals, shifting them to be more internally motivated rather than that externally motivated. And I think that like postpartum uh, bounce, bounce back culture, we had a podcast also on this with Surabivich and, you know, just how we don't have to sign up for that. We don't have to support those beauty ideals. So just, again, shifting those goals to be more internally. So whether it was for taking a break, mental health, energy, um, just that form of self-care rather than being kind of that external shell of shape and size and weight and muscle mass, whatever it is. I think it was also really helpful to have the support of a pelvic physio just to kind of normalize, you know, this is what is realistic um, in terms of our ideas around movement, I think can be like, oh, let's just go back to what we were doing before when um, I know my physio was like, skipping is not supposed to be happening even 10 months postpartum. Having that help to like normalize, you know, what is what is gentle, how to kind of work through that and be able to kind of move through that was very supportive because movement when your body has completely changed is, again, you just feel a little foreign. So having some support I found was, was really helpful. Another thing that I love is meditation. I've maybe talked about this before, but I use an app called Insight Timer. It's a free one. And um, I really enjoy doing bedtime meditations. That's literally how I get to sleep every night. So it's called a yoga nidra I like doing, and it has nothing to do with getting your yoga mat out and doing yoga poses. I think they call it like a brain massage. <laughs> so basically it's a lot of body scans where you're kind of like moving through the body, having these connected body experiences, and you're kind of flowing through like you go through all of your fingers and then up your arm and then it just kind of scans through your body. It really helps you have those connected body experiences, but also really helps with that like brain chatter. It's really hard to be thinking, you know, about the conversations in your head when you're kind of following a guide that's telling you to move through your body and kind of connect with those body parts. I also strive and trying to do morning ones, um, just like a quick few minutes um, and I can really tell the difference when I do it and when I don't do it. So meditation has been something that was really awkward again at first and then once I got into it and got a little bit better at it, um, being able to kind of calm the brain a little bit, it definitely is something I look forward to doing and it just is just something that is quick, easy, accessible and usually turns into going to sleep for me <laughs> so that seems very doable at that that hour of the night. And then some other little small things that again, like these are forms of self-care or just drinking two cups of hot herbal tea. That is just the goal always in my day. Little mindful moments like watching the sunset in the summer. So taking that active step to kind of step away, go sit on the deck, watch out the window, just doing some intentional deep breathing. Oh, and then just like one that I did not even think would make a big difference is switching to a cup that was a straw rather than kind of the screw off top one. I don't know if it's just me, but like significantly more fluid intake I can uh, handle in a day. Um, the next one, sleep. So I've always been really bad at sleep. I will definitely stay up late to get all of my um, 
TV shows in or the things I want to do in. But again, trying to stick to a bedtime routine, getting up, having, um, you know, naps if that is an option, but sleep is so, so important. Um, and I can really tell on how I show up the next day when I am very limited in sleep. And then some of those grand gestures. So in this last like 10 month block of being postpartum, I organized a weekend away with my sisters and of course the baby came with me, but it was just so nice to be um, connected, have some like time and adult conversations with some favorite people in my life. And then um, another really grand gesture I did was getting a buckle massage. I, I don't know if you know what that is, but it's basically they massage like inside your mouth and your jaw and all over your face. It was amazing. I fell asleep and it was it was just so glorious. So I would say those are my grand gestures. And then maybe being able to like go out for dinner with my hubby. That's something we used to always do. Pre, pre-kids was trying new restaurants and new authentic different cultural food outlets and dishes and things like that so that's always really nice when we can share a dinner that's more at a slow pace and then another one that I've recently over the past couple years found out that I like and I just hear in my head like you are your mother when you say this one but going to a garden center and just especially in the spring going through the garden center and walking through it's literally just so energizing and I just love plants and gardens so it's um just a beautiful sensory overload (laughs) but overall I would say like the biggest tip is to be flexible Again, when we're talking about movement, sleep, any of those things, the before is not going to be the same as the post, um, post kids, right? So being flexible is so important. Being curious to see what's best for you and the most doable with the time you have or the energy you have, or honestly, like what your body is craving. And there's no right or wrong answers. You're not failing. You're not, you know, not following suit or on the right path or trajectory it's your own personal postpartum experience figure out what you crave and how it makes you feel it shouldn't be another task it shouldn't be daunting you know sometimes getting started may feel a little a little bit of friction but it should feel energizing and neutral and kind of like a hug and again so if you're feeling like it's really daunting and it's another task and it's something you're not enjoying I'd ask you to kind of sit in that and figure out who is that shooting voice that's happening who's telling you you need to be doing this so a helpful reframe I just recently learned is when you catch yourself maybe shooting on yourself so with whatever kind of self-care or movement or things you should be doing like folding a laundry for an example I said the helpful reframe is to just ask yourself is this something I need to do or I want to do you're taking back that ownership to make it your values aligned choice and if it's not your choice it's another system it's hustle culture it's capitalism it's the patriarch it's some other system that is telling you you should be doing this and you're wrong for whatever your choice is. Let me know if this was helpful. I would love to know what works for you for self-care. I want to know kind of that basic self-care and then some of those grand gestures. And also really curious with how you kind of modified this once becoming a parent and what areas you had to modify and what worked for you. Thanks for being here. Have a great day. 
hope you enjoyed listening to Diet Culture Dropout. If you like today's podcast, I would love for you to leave a review, share the episode with a friend, or subscribe. The more we can collectively break down diet culture, the closer we get to food peace and celebrating all bodies. Thanks for being here. Thank you.